Hi, and thank you for joining us for the Compass Catholic Podcast. My name is Caitlin Kano. I'm joined by my co-host, Diana Rojas, as we meet every week to explore financial topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. On this podcast, we cover all aspects of money. We explore the spiritual, emotional, and economic aspects of our finances. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Hi, and thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, we're talking taxes. To help us understand how we can be best prepared to file our taxes this year, we brought in a special guest, Matt Marco. Matt is a certified financial planner with 20 years experience. He's the co-founder of Candor Path Financial in Central Florida, and he's been on the podcast before. He somehow makes the topic of taxes incredibly interesting. You know someone's an expert when they can break down something complicated and explain it in a simple way. And Matt does just that. Today's guiding principle comes from Romans chapter 13, verses 6 and 7. This is why you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Pay to all their dues, taxes to whom taxes are due, Toll to whom toll is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. Thank you to Matt Marco for being interviewed for today's episode. I hope you all enjoy. God bless. Thank you so much for being here today, Matthew. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be back on the the Compass podcast. Uh, I think this is my second time on the podcast and had a great uh, first round and looking forward to diving back into it. So when you were interviewed before, you were interviewed by John and Evelyn, our co-founders. Yes, that's right. We did it uh, mm-hmm. in person, actually. So it was it was pre-COVID, pre this craziness that's going on. I was uh, in person with them and it was it was so nice to see them. And it, it had been a few uh, few years since we were able to hang out. In person sounds so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, Zoom has been such a blessing. I am so ready to do a meeting not on Zoom. That just it's so funny you said that. We, we just got more office space for Candor Path Financial, our company. And everyone's like, why are you getting more office space? Like everyone's moving to Zoom. But I think after this is over, people are going to like, you know, once mm-hmm. it's safe and obviously all the all the things are in place, I think people are going to want to like get back into face-to-face and as much as possible, um, you know, see, see each other. So yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, so if you don't mind telling us, so we we had you on the podcast before with John and Evelyn, and you also work with John Kennedy. And so can you tell us a little bit about Candor Path Financial and, and what you guys do there in Orlando? Absolutely. You know, Candor Path Financial is a fee-based financial planning firm and tax practice. Um, John and I are the co-founders of it. We co-founded it about three and a half years ago. Um, after working with each other for over 10 years, I've been in the business for uh, almost 20 years. And uh, we just decided it was time to, to branch off and, and kind of stretch that entrepreneurial itch we had to create a firm that had the same ideals and uh, structure that we really were uh, very passionate about. So, uh, yeah, we've we've had a, a great success in, in, with our company and we just enjoy um, getting our message out there and, and talking with people. And, uh, you know, either whether it's about estate planning or tax planning or investments or retirement. Uh, Medicare planning. I know we've talked about that before on, on the podcast. Uh, so we, we love talking about all this stuff and uh, enjoy sh- spreading our message. 
Oh, great. So we are at the beginning of 2021. And I know a lot of us are starting to get some documents that are coming our way via the mail or email or wherever you're getting your documents. And these are really important tax documents. So we are starting to enter that season. I imagine you're starting to pick up and uh, your schedule is getting a little crazy. Yeah, I'm hoping it's a little better than last year. You know, most tax seasons for us start, you know, kind of like the end of January and obviously end right around April 15th. Well, last year, it stretched almost seven months um, of taxes. And it was because of the pandemic and all that was going on, the IRS delayed the filing deadlines. And and what that caused everyone to do because we we're so preoccupied is it just kind of stretched out that time frame. So it normally takes us two, two and a half months, maybe three months to kind of wrap up. Uh, we did almost the entire year last year, we were working on taxes in one way or another. So we're just hoping this year it, it is back to that normal schedule. Already, there's been some changes, which um, the IRS has delayed the date for us to be able to start filing taxes. Um, and usually it's right around mid-January, mid to end of January, and now it's February 12th. So the first thing for our listeners today is that, hey, if you're itching to get that return done, and and we're going to talk about why you should maybe file earlier or later, um, right now we're, we're sort of in, a, in a, a wait time period until the IRS opens that up. And again, that'll be closer to mid-February for us. Oh, goodness. So yeah, last year, what was the, it was July 15th that they, they moved it to? Yes, July. And then, you know, after that, you can extend it to October. And so it just, it dragged on and on and on and on. And um, while we love taxes and everything we do, there's only so much that we can stomach. And it was towards the end there, it just felt like it was dragging on. So hopefully this year, we don't have those same issues. Goodness. So, okay. So as we get these documents in and people start realizing that there's um, some things that have happened in 2020, whether it be like an employment income or they've had some changes and whatnot. How do they decide what level of tax help that they need? Um, how does someone decide they need to go from maybe a strip mall um, tax preparer to someone who actually has uh, increased certification. So how does someone make that decision as to what level of tax help they're going to need to file their taxes? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I really believe the human element um, does help in this situation. You know, anyone can go on and do TurboTax and there's nothing wrong with that. But for the 99 or $100, I don't even know what it costs these days to, to do it yourself, for just a little bit more having the human element um, does bring a couple of pieces that, that might be appealing to some people. Um, the first of which is that there was a lot of changes that occurred between 2019 and 2020. And so just someone who has some knowledge in that area of what changes occurred um, could help you, maybe help you find that deduction or just make sure it's done correctly. Um, so, you know, I think for the listeners out there, the do-it-yourselfers, um, you know, by all means, continue what you're doing. But for those that are just at a point where they need a little bit more planning. Um, you know, the thing that I always talk about is most tax preparers see you when it comes time to file the taxes, which is usually in the year after the year ends, right? So we're right now talking mm -hmm. about 2020 taxes and we're in 2021. At this point, it's too late to make any changes. So where I really believe the human element comes in is not just seeing that person one time in April, it's maybe having a few touch points throughout the year so that there's no surprises. You know, we jumped on the call or we jumped on the podcast or Caitlin, you said, oh, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm anxious. I, I never like doing this. The taxes are, you know, I, I never know what it looks like. In theory, it should have very little mystery behind what your either refund or amount owe is going to be if you're doing just a little bit of proactive work throughout the year. And while we're all so busy, 
there are professionals like ourselves who each time we meet with our clients, whether it's talking about financial planning, we are also having a conversation of, hey, let's take a time out for a second. What do we think that the tax bill is going to look like and what adjustments do we need to make throughout the year or what changes have occurred that we need to make adjustments for? So again, I think the human element to this um, really does bring um, a little bit of reassurance to clients. The last point that I would make is not all of us file our tax returns perfectly. So, you know, it usually takes the IRS a year or at least two years to um, find a mistake that was made. And sometimes it's something simple, like we transposed a number or we missed a document. Um, so think about this. Right now, I'm dealing with a client who made a mistake. She, she was filing herself. She made a mistake on her 2018 return. We found out about that mistake about two weeks ago from the IRS. And they're like, hey, listen, we were reviewing returns. We found a mistake. So now we're going back and correcting something that occurred in 2018. It's a relatively easy mistake that she made. I was able to identify what the problem was. She simply just missed a form. And so we're able to do that. But think about that. Right now, we're all so busy in our lives to have to go back and think, what happened in 2018 that I need to now go back and correct and then dealing with the IRS? Having a professional typically makes that part a little bit easier. And you had mentioned there are some changes that have happened in this past year in terms of tax law and how we're going to be filing. And you also mentioned that even already we have the earliest tax filing date is February 12th. So there's already some changes happening. Can you tell us what we can kind of expect in terms of the upcoming tax season? There's always going to be those inflationary changes, right? That That's going to affect the tax rate. That might affect what our standard deduction is this year. It's going to be 12400 for a single filer or 24800 for a mayor. So there's, each year, there's always those inflationary numbers that, that just change a little bit. Maybe there's IRA changes or 401k changes that there hasn't been. But uh, each year, there's always going to be some of those little inflationary numbers that either tick up or tick down. But aside from that, I think there's probably two or three main areas that as we start prepare for the tax season that we're seeing as our clients start gathering their documents. I'd say the first thing is the um, is the economic rebate um, that we all received or some of us received um, back in May of, of last year as part of the pandemic. And then some of us got a second check, our second rebate check, um, economic stimulus check uh, in January of this year. And as we start to prepare for our upcoming filing season, there are some questions surrounding that. How much did you get? Was it the right amount? Uh, what year did they base those numbers off of? That first check we got was based off of 2018's tax return. The second check some of us got in, 20, in 2020 was based off of 2019's tax return. Well, I mean, if you're not confused by now, you will be in a moment because we now need to reconcile how much should we have gotten based, everything should have been based off of 2020's tax return which again, none of us have filed up to this point. So there's always going to be some of that that happens each year. That Again, that's inflationary. But some of these things, such as the economic stimulus, um, needs to be reconciled. And if you've not gotten your fair share per your 2020 tax return, uh, there's going to be some documents that you'll file in there to get a corrected amount of your stimulus. So I'd say that's probably the first thing that we've noticed is, is, a, is a big difference. Um, I think that the other thing is... Um, there was a, a difference this year in your charitable deductions. So most of the time, in order for us to receive a charitable deduction, if we give money to our charity or we're tithing to our church, um, that we need to normally itemize our taxes. That means we need to spell out every single deduction we gave. And if it's more than our standard deduction, then we get to use that number. And if it's less, we just go with the standard. So in the 2020 filing season, there's a $300 
um, uh, uh, contribution that you can give to a charity and not have to file your tax, not have to file an a, a uh, itemized deduction and still receive an above line deduction for that. So that is something small that, again, someone might not have given last year um, or enough to itemize, but they gave um, you know, money to their church or to their charitable organization. And if they just have a few of those receipts, there's a chance they could receive that $300 deduction. Um, and then last but not least, last year was the first year in a long time that I can think of that a required minimum distribution was not required mm -hmm. on your IRA. So remember, if you're 70 and a half or older, or now the new number 72, you must take money from your IRA each year. Well, last year, again, because of the pandemic, you did not need to do that. And so for a lot of our clients who are living off of their investments and their IRAs, we were not forced to take money out of those accounts. And that changes their, their taxes quite dramatically in some situations. So I'd say those were the kind of the biggies that, that occurred uh, between 2019 and 2020. Goodness, this is actually pretty impactful. Those will make a difference for some people. Yeah, it does. And, yeah. you know, again, you don't find out these things unless sometimes you have a human being who's been right. studying this stuff all year long to say, wow, those are some changes. Um, you know, the, the only other one that I can think of is if someone took a money out of their IRA um, before age 59 and a half, there's some special rules on how you pay those back. So, yeah, like you said, Caitlin, there's, there's so many moving pieces with our taxes each year. It pays sometimes to have that human element to make sure uh, you're paying your fair share because – there's a difference between tax avoidance, which is completely legal, right. and mm -hmm. tax evasion, which is not legal at all. And we want to avoid that at all possible costs. Right, right. And at Compass Catholic, we're always encouraging people to have financial integrity and to be as financially as honest pos as possible. And there's a difference between legally paying the least amount of taxes that you have to pay versus doing something illegal, which we would never recommend <laughs> absolutely yes we want let listen the last people we want to make upset is the internal revenue service right now so i 100 percent agree with you just keep everything on the up and up and uh because it's not worth it it's not worth doing something where it's even um a gray area and now you have to look over your shoulder for the you know next handful of years to see if the irs catches you that's not a good feeling to have and it's just not worth it and i agree pay pay your fair share do it the right way and um and and just move on from there and you had mentioned before the economic stimulus check that came through. We had one round in May. We had just another check that hit a lot of people's account in January. Now, what happens, you had mentioned if they didn't get their fair share, they can file documentation to get that increased amount. What happens if they got more than they should have received because their income had fluctuated between the years that we were looking at versus the, the year the check came in? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And again, just to go back to the beginning of your point is if you had a child last year um, or there was some major change income wise, then yes, you want to make sure that you file and receive the correct rebate amount. But what happens if your income was lower, let's say in 2019 mm -hmm. and, or, and, and higher in 2020, do you need to pay that back? Well, there's a couple scenarios in which you do need to pay that back. Most of those revolve around someone who might have passed away that received the check or um, one of those very weird extenuating circumstances. Um, but for the most part, um, as we have read up to this point, at least the first two rounds, and again, there might be more future rounds of, of stimulus coming, as it stands today, there's no language that we've seen that requires you to pay back the rebate if you received more than what you should have based upon your 2020 tax return. So again, all of that, of course, is subject to change. But as it stands right now, the IRS has basically indemnified us that if we received more than what we should have got, 
that at this point in time, there isn't a payback as long as we don't fall into one of those categories that, that does force a payback. Again, most of it's regarding if someone passed away or if someone um, you know just got the check incorrectly or received it based upon someone else's, uh, was it dependent on somebody else's. So there's a couple of those scenarios which clearly they should be paying those back. But if it's simply because your income changed over the years, at this point in time, we've not seen any language that requires that payback to occur. I guarantee there's a lot of our listeners who are breathing a sigh of relief right now because <laughs> that question has come into us a few times. So, yeah. um, all right. So that's interesting. And now, because this was such a crazy year and it was so unprecedented, there was a lot of people that went from employment income to unemployment income and, and going back and forth. How will that unemployment income impact their taxes? Yeah. So unemployment income and, and like it or not, it's, it is taxable mm-hmm. income. Uh, well, and, and that comes generally from the state. So we are in the state of Florida. So any of our clients that might have been unemployed because of uh, a pandemic or just unemployed because of job changes, um, you, you got that 1099, you'll get a 1099, tax form 1099 from the state of Florida in our case. And in some situations, there is taxes withheld from there. Um, but in some situations, there's not. And so what we don't want to do is have anyone get surprised that uh, you know there should be taxes withheld because all unemployment compensation for the most part, except that there's always an exception to every rule, but for the most part, unemployment compensation is counted as taxable income. And um, you know sometimes it's a double whammy. If you've been unemployed, you didn't do any tax withholding, now you come to file your return, you still don't have a job, and you know, savings is dwindling down, you're in a tough spot, you, you still might have a tax bill to the IRS. So uh, just keep that in mind if you had any unemployment compensation in 2020, that that will count towards your taxable income uh, when you do file. That's actually really interesting. But disability would not, is that taxable? If someone received disability? In most situations, it's not. Again, there's an mm-hmm. exception to just about every single one of our rules we'll talk about today. Right. But, um, you know, depending on um, with the disability, depending on uh, did the taxpayer pay for the disability policy or was it provided by their employer? There's some some weird rules in there with the taxation of that. But generally speaking, in most situations, uh, disability comes to you generally tax-free. Awesome. So we got our paperwork. We're going to be gathering our documents and doing it in the most honest way possible. When do we decide it's time to file? Earlier is better? Do we wait? Um, I know the my husband being in the military, they have this phrase that if you wait to the last minute, it only takes a minute. I don't think that applies with taxes, right? So like, when's the best time to file? Yeah. So for the sake of your tax preparer, um, you know, please try to do it as early as possible, but all kidding aside, I think there's a couple of reasons why you want to do it early. Um, So I'd say the first one again is, is regarding the economic stimulus. If, if you did not get your fair share of those rebate checks, filing your taxes sooner rather than later, will get that money into your pocket sooner rather than later. And the same goes for if you are expecting a refund, right? So if you typically get a refund each year, nothing really changed too much in your tax situation, you know, that money is better in your pockets than it is in the IRS's pockets or the Department of Treasury's pockets. So I would say, again, if you're expecting that refund, if you have that economic rebate, um, the other thing that that a lot of people don't think about is that there's a lot of fraud surrounding tax returns. And there's a lot of people out there that file fraudulent returns using your social security number, file a, um, in order to get a refund, take that. And then the IRS comes back and and then you go to file your taxes and the IRS says, someone's already filed your taxes on your behalf. And you say, no, they didn't. And now you're going around around. We have a client right now that this happened to, she was filing her own 
Uh, actually, no, we filed it for her and it went through just fine. And then we got a notification a couple days later once we hit the submit button that the IRS says this return's already been filed on this client's behalf. And we know we didn't do it. And so it was fraud. So getting your return filed sooner rather than later doesn't necessarily stop this from occurring, but it, it certainly limits the ability for some people out there who um, just don't, you know, are, are just not in the right mindset to file a return on someone else's behalf. It, it slows that process down. Um, the other thing you can do is in some situations, especially in the state of Florida, as I keep referring to, um, you can apply sometimes for an IRS PIN number, which along with your social security number needs to be filed. Um, but again, it, there's some rules around how you can obtain that. There needs to have been fraud in your area or you need to have had fraud happen to you before. There's some rules around getting that IRS PIN number, but that sometimes slows that process down. Now, what if you owe money? Well, if you owe money, you can still file early, but you don't necessarily need to pay until the due date, which typically is April 15th for uh, 1040. Um, and so again, you can still file and just elect to have that money withdrawn um, at some point in the future down the road, again, no later than the deadline. Um, and then last but not least, um, if you just can't get all of your ducks in a row, um, remember you must pay your taxes by April 15th, but you may file an extension and that extension generally gives you until October 15th um, to actually file your return. Again, it's not an extension to pay, it's an extension to file. So you still need to estimate what you think the damage is going to be um, if, you, if there is going to be a, a bill due. And then you can actually push that down the road if, if that's something that you need to do because maybe you have an investment or maybe it's just so complex that you need a little bit of extra time to get all of your tax documents in a row. So um, again, I say sooner rather than later for fraud purposes, for getting that refund, for getting that economic stimulus check. Um, and again, even if you owe, file and then just have the IRS debit that out of your checking account uh, prior to the, the due date of your return. And what happens if you owe and you don't have the cash available by April 15th? For those who are unemployed or going through, you know, whatever um, tumultuous time, is there another option? Is there another route to take or how do they approach that? Don't bury your head in the sand. Again, I think we talked yeah. about this a moment ago. The last people we want to owe money mm -hmm. to or not be cooperative with is the Internal Revenue Service because they have the power to make our lives really, really miserable. So I would suggest that if you don't have it and this has come up, it happens from time to time. The first thing is notification. Let the IRS know, hey, listen, I owe money, did do a good job planning for this, or I'm in a really tough situation. I simply can't pay it. What they'll oftentimes do, depending on how much you owe and if you've had any issues in the past with them, because if you've been very clean with filing and you've not had this happen before, they're going to be a, a lot more understanding. But um, it, again, if you, if you just be upfront with them about that, oftentimes they'll set up an installment plan. And that installment plan sometimes can be done directly on the website, or sometimes you'll need to contact an IRS revenue agent and set that up. But an installment plan allows you to at least show good faith that, hey, made a mistake. I owe more than what I have, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay you over the next X. And they'll set up the, the, the installment agreement is set up by the IRS and they'll tell you the terms of it, but you can pay that debt off over time. Now, let's not forget also that that same thing might happen the next year. So let's, while we're paying off that debt, Let's make sure that we're also mm -hmm. setting enough side for the next year so that this does not snowball each year into owing this mountain of debt because the IRS does have the power to levy or put a lien on your assets. And the last thing we want to do is not be able to sell our home or have an asset taken away from us um, because the IRS deemed uh, that we did not pay our fair share. And now we um, 
with more money than what we have. Oh my goodness. And before we were talking about the potential for fraud, and um, I've seen this a lot with the, I work with uh, a lot of times veterans who are transitioning from um, temporary housing situations. And so it's something that's prevalent in that community. Um, is there anything else someone should do to make sure they're not a victim of that fraud besides just filing early? Is there any other tips that you have? Yeah, again, I would maybe look into the IRS PIN um, system. Mm -hmm. And again, you can find more information on irs.gov about that. Um, but the, in some situations, and again, they don't just give it out to anybody, but in some situations, applying for an IRS PIN um, will help eliminate fraud. Because as I alluded to earlier, when you do have a PIN, you will file your taxes as normal, but on one of the forms, it will ask you for what that PIN number is. And that again will, any return that does not include that PIN number will be rejected. And that will hopefully eliminate some fraud that occurs. Um, so again, if you can get that, and once you typically have it once each year, they'll either send you a new one or you'll renew it and you can continue that process. But um, short of that, it only takes your social security number to file. So I'd say the other thing, Caitlin, is to make sure that you're protecting that social security number mm -hmm. as much as possible and keeping a close eye on your credit report and freezing it when you need to in order for other frauds to not occur. But at the end of the day, those are probably the two biggest ways is filing early and, and if possible, getting an IRS PIN number. Yes. And the IRS will never contact you via phone, right? Via email. I get the phone calls. It's so, it's yes. so great. I love getting the phone calls that tells, you know, someone on the other end of the line says that mm -hmm. I owe some exorbitant amount of money to the IRS and um, that if I can pay it on a gift card to them and I let them go, for some, I'm not supposed to do this, so don't follow this advice, but sometimes I'm like, I really want to hear what he has to say or she has to say. And then at the end of it, I say, well, I'm an IRS preparer. So it's really interesting. You're calling from the IRS when I know that they don't typically pick up the phone and call you. They mostly correspond via mail. So yeah, don't, uh, don't fall for it on Facebook mm -hmm. or the online social media. Uh, and especially don't do it on your phone. The IRS does not pick up a phone and call you in most situations. And uh, if they do, you, there will be ways to know that it's a truthful um, IRS agent and not uh, some someone trying to, to pull one over on you. Ugh, it makes me so sad. Oh, I know. It just turns my stomach. But all right, is there anything else that we need to know before we start this process this year? Any other tips you think our, our listeners yeah, should be aware of? I think it's preparation. You know, again, it's mm -hmm. taking five or 10 minutes out of your day to just say, okay, let's think of where are all the different things that occurred income-wise for the year? And do I have it all? Again, if I, if I change jobs, there's going to be multiple of those forms coming in. Um, but I, I think for that, I also think something that we haven't hit on yet is we talked about this. We're so focused on talking about 2020's taxes, but what about 2021's taxes? Yeah. Right? So the we're already probably one or two paychecks depending on how you get paid one or two paychecks into this year do you have the right amount of withholdings are you on track for what your 2021 tax return is going to look like so i have been giving this advice to a lot of our clients is now that you've gotten that first paycheck of the year um, or that second paycheck it's still january so we have plenty of time to make some corrections heading over to irs.gov on their website, they have a great tool that is their IRS withholding calculator. And if it's a married couple, I, I would have you both sit together and you both are going to fill it out separately, but you'll need both of your pay stubs. Um, and you will fill that information out stating how much you think you're going to get paid this year. And then based upon that paycheck that you've already gotten, 
how much taxes were withheld off that single paycheck. And then the IRS calculator will say, is there any other extenuating circumstances? Do you have investments that might spin off income or, or dependents or those types of questions? And at the end of it, it'll actually spit out a report for you and tell you where you, they think the estimate of where you're going to be at the end of this year. And again, if we're doing this in January of the year in which we're filing, that, that doesn't help us. But now if we're thinking about what we can do to prevent any further issues down the road, this is one of the big ones is do planning throughout the year. Don't wait for December 31st or don't wait for April 14th to say, let's figure out what the taxes should be. It just takes a little bit of time and you can figure that out and eliminate those surprises because we know that surprises in life, especially financial ones that are not in a good way, um, are, are really impactful. We want to make sure that doesn't happen. Oh, they're huge. Yeah, I would often work with um, young sailors and Marines. And I mean, there's always this like financial ostrich thing, especially around taxes, like head in the sand, don't want to deal with it. They feel like they're not qualified. They don't realize what easy tools are available for them just to do a little bit of calculation on the front end. And an ounce of prevention is a pound of cure. And with taxes, it's about a ton of cure, right? Like yes. doing, doing the work on the front end is going to be so impactful for your financial wellness. Um, and often I would see um, people who would maybe married in three, married in four, still claiming single and zero because they like to get that big check at the end of the year. Do you want to yes. talk to that a little bit? It's because before savings. I listen, I've had clients that said, okay, your refund's going to be $12,000. And I'm like, yay. And I'm like, ooh, that yeah. shouldn't be the case. You just gave a $12,000 loan to the Department of Treasury for that mm -hmm. full year's time. You could have had $1,000 extra per month in your pocket. And I, and even though I say that to them, they said, Matt, we need forced savings. And it really lends to a bigger issue there, which more goes into more of the financial planning side of better cash flow management will help you eliminate those big refunds. But uh, such a great point is we bury our heads in the sand and we just think about it when the time comes and that's the wrong way to do it. Um, and, and the other thing is that they're very complex. You know, we started this conversation off today is when do you need to seek a professional? You know, I, I could change the oil in my car. Caitlin, I, I drive a, a pickup truck. I can easily get underneath there. What do you do? You unscrew the bolt. You let the oil drain. You change the filter. You put the oil back in. You go off and do it. I don't change the oil in my car because I know that I need a professional to do it. Because if I miss putting that one bolt back in, I could do every step right. And I miss that one little part. And I drive down the road. I've just ruined my pickup truck. So I, I feel the same way with a lot of elements of, of finance. A lot of this can be done on your own. It's, it's not... Some of it is complicated, especially if you own a business or there's a lot of moving pieces. But at the end of the day, having someone who knows exactly what they're doing is it, it takes a lot of that stress off of your shoulders. And there's a cost associated with it, right? It's not free to work with us or, or to work with a tax preparer. But that cost oftentimes can be recuperated through a couple of ways. One is, again, finding that missing deduction or, or making sure that mistake doesn't occur. Um, and, and the other way is it frees up your time to go do what you love to do. And you're not sitting there with your legal notepad calculating what your taxes are. It's your professionals that do this all day long that, that know the rules and can make sure that you're following them uh, and hopefully eliminate any major mistakes. And just the peace of mind, just knowing that it was done with someone's professional eyes. Um, my husband and I finally last year jumped to using a CPA and I just handed everything over. It came back. I reviewed everything and I felt confident. Whereas in previous years, I was a little bit nervous using the online and it, it, I've never had an issue. 
but the peace of mind that comes with it. Um, and I can't recommend one way or another, which way people go. We're just presenting them no. options. But um, it was it was something that was invaluable to my husband and I. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, you're, you're not gonna find out if a mistake has occurred for probably two years. Typically speaking, the IRS has three years from the date you filed. And then again, there's, there's exceptions to every rule we talked about today. But in most situations, um, there's a three-year look back from the date you filed. So again, the IRS has this long window to go back and say, did, did a mistake occur? And most of the time, it's two or up to three years later that you filed it, that the IRS might come back and have a question. And you're like, okay, I don't, I don't remember what I was, I don't remember what I had for dinner last night, mm -hmm. let alone why I picked a number that I picked three years ago or two years ago. So um, I just think it gives you that peace of mind. And also it, it connects you to a professional who, again, it's not going to be free to go back and fix a mistake that occurred, especially if it was not the taxpayer, uh, if it didn't happen to the taxpayer. But again, it, it allows you to have a professional who can talk to the IRS because sometimes talking to the IRS is pretty scary and it's pretty intimidating. I mean, when you call them on the phone, you get the revenue agent's number and it's a very stern kind of sterile, you know, there's not this fun conversation you typically have, um, but a preparer knows how to do with it, how, how to fix it, how to maybe ask for forgiveness if a mistake occurred. The IRS is not looking to punish you if you transposed the number and made a two instead of a three or a one instead of a two. They're not looking to punish you, they're looking for fraud. But if you just made an honest mistake and it's something that hasn't occurred frequently, there are sometimes some ways to get some of those penalties abated. And a professional can walk you through that to say, okay, listen, you're going to have to pay the interest and some of the penalties, but we can maybe reduce some of them because this was a, a first time mistake and it was a silly number issue or you missed a form. And oftentimes that covers the cost of having this professional um, take care of this for you. So um, again, having a professional, in my opinion, is, is the way to go. And, um, and it, it gives a lot of our clients peace of mind. Awesome. Well, this was really informative today. I feel like I learned some things. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, listen, it's not the most exciting topic in the world. Um, you know, for us, it's like a puzzle that we like to put together every day. So right, it right. brings uh, our minds a little bit of peace in terms of how those numbers all fit in. So it's not for everybody. But um, again, if you're if you're looking, if you're struggling, if you don't know where to turn, um, you know, looking for either an enrolled agent, uh, which is the highest designation given by the Internal Revenue Service, um, or a CPA, um, or a tax attorney. Those are really your three main resources that you want to look at, an EA, a CPA, or a tax attorney. And mostly the tax attorney is if you're going to court or something major is happening. Most of the time, either an EA or CPA um, can, can help you through this process. It's the financial alphabet soup. After oh, it is. And there's so many right? letters. There's some mm -hmm. that are really, really important. And then there's some that you could just pay to have after your name. Right. Um, it's important for consumers to be able to research um, what those are and what you should be looking for. But again, with taxes, it's pretty simplistic. CPA or EA, those are your two biggies that you'll want to look for after the person's name. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you. And I'm hoping some of our listeners found this helpful. I found it helpful. Um, and yeah, we're, we're grateful for your time today. This has been so educational. Thank you so much. It's so great being back with, with Compass. Um, just uh, love everything you guys are doing, the outreach you're doing, the ministry that you're doing. It's so great to be a part of your organization. Uh, myself and my business partner, John Kennedy, are always excited whenever we get the invite to come onto a show. And uh, we love talking about this stuff. And a lot of what we talked about today might not apply to everybody. But if there's a situation that uh, has come up and 
you're looking for some help, you can most definitely reach out to us. Um, and uh, we, we'd love to talk to you. Awesome. And your Facebook stuff is so good. Your video. Yeah, you know, listen, it, uh, we, uh, part of what we talked about is, you know, everyone's moved a, a little bit more of a virtual environment. So we love um, putting a lot of content on our Facebook page. Please check us out. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash CanderPath. Uh, you can also go to our website, CanderPath.com. Um, and you can book a meeting on there or you can ask some, some questions and, uh, we love interacting, uh, with, with everybody. So it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a great way to do it. Cool. Well, thank you, Matthew. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. To learn more about Compass Catholic and the various Bible studies and books that we offer, please go to compasscatholic.org. A big thank you again to Matt Marco for being interviewed for today's episode. If you have a show idea or suggestion, please email us at podcast at compasscatholic.org. We love hearing from you. Have a great week and God bless.